I'm going to ask you to identify yourself, so listen closely to these descriptions. Left-brained people are logical, analytical, linear, factual, and sequential. That's left brain. Right brain people are creative, intuitive, artistic, emotional, musical, and imaginative. Now raise your hand if you believe you are more right brained. Raise them high because we want to identify you. <laughs> All right. Now raise your hand if you think you are more left brained. Uh, everybody look around. Because we know that right-brained people frustrate left-brained people. And left-brained people frustrate right-brained people. And maybe we believe just a little bit that the world would be a better place without the brain that we are not. But the reality is that we all need each other. By God's order, it's not either or. Instead, it is both and. God intended the world to be logical and poetic, imaginative and concrete, emotional and sensible, spontaneous and self-disciplined. And that's why he created in our brains this thing called the corpus callosum. The corpus callosum connects the two hemispheres of our brain so that they can communicate. Now, in a study of cats... And other animals where the corpus callosum was severed, visual stimuli that was presented to one hemisphere of the brain was inaccessible to the other hemisphere. That's a sad word, inaccessible. Gloomy, remote. It communicates incompleteness. It communicates places that can't be reached and therefore can't be whole. But God created us so that we can enjoy the, the wholeness of both. Our Lord Jesus Christ said that we would worship in truth and in spirit. So for truth to be whole, it needs the spirit. For the spirit to be whole, it needs the truth. Of course, you know maybe where I'm going with all this. At long last, we're going to address this passage about husbands and wives. Though sometimes we are like disconnected hemispheres, God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, to work together as a whole to fully experience the beauty of all he had created, to sustain that beauty, and to reflect his glory in his world. But sin severed the relational corpus colossum so that men and women are remote from each other, sometimes inaccessible, so that communication between them is broken, so that God's purpose is thwarted, so that the goal that he has ordained is not accomplished, and so that his glory is not reflected in this world. And so in the passage before us this morning, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul, Peter, is reestablishing God's order. He puts before us the way men and women, 
Husbands and wives should live together and work together so that his purpose is accomplished, so that his kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven, so that his glory is reflected in the world toward that day when the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. Beautiful, powerful possibilities are before us that we will only accomplish when we live our lives by the design and the order of God. Therefore, you and I must, you and I ought to want to live our lives by God's order. We'll talk about that now as we come to 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll take them now, or get one from the P-Rack in front of you. And when you found your place in 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to ask you to stand so that we might hear, read together the word of the living God. First Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not let and do not fear anything that's frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And let's pray. Father in heaven, bless your word to us. A word about which we hear so much. Father, we pray that you would be the one that interprets and defines your word for us this morning through the power of your spirit who is present now with us and in us. May he enlighten our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And before we delve into this command... I want to make a few preliminary statements. One is that I will not say, I cannot say all that needs to be said in one sermon. So that there's more to come in the week or the weeks ahead. So if you should find yourself asking, yes, well, but what about this? Hold on, that question might be answered. Secondly, I cannot recapitulate every week what I say in the week before. It would take too long. So... If you're not here, if someone else is not here, you can either listen or watch these sermons online. Thirdly, if you are here this morning and you are unmarried, you may not always be unmarried. So in that sense, this is for you as well. You may live your life as a single person. Maybe God has given you that high calling. You can still benefit from this truth because you can speak God's truth into your world. And more importantly, you can encourage the husbands and wives right here around you as we all seek to live by the word of God. All right, we good to go? Are y'all ready for this? 
Yeah, it's going to be good. Look again in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Clearly, this is a verse of order. It's a verse of arrangement. It's God's order. It's God's arrangement for relationships within the home. Wives, be subject to your husbands. And men, if you just elbowed your wife, you probably have no clue what this command requires of you. But you will. Buckle up. Not today, in a day to come. And women, if you just elbowed your husband back, remember the S word that we read here. That was supposed to be funny. We're going to look at two realities about God's order. The first is that God's order is not outdated or obsolete. The second is that God's order brings beauty and power. So first, God's order is not outdated or obsolete. And that's the charge that's most commonly leveled against this command. That it belongs to a culture and a time that's long past. But listen, God did not inspire Peter to write words that had only meaning and authority for his particular culture. And by that, I mean that if Peter were writing today in 2024, he would write these exact same words. They are not antiquated nonsense of a long dead culture. Scripture does contain teaching that is culturally sensitive. For instance, uh, in, in the time of the apostles, women who covered their heads were a very different kind of woman than women who did not cover their heads. And so that's addressed in Scripture. But those categories don't have meaning for us today. Another example is meat offered to idols. No one offers meat to idols anymore and then tries to turn around and sell it. So that doesn't have meaning for us today, but it did to the culture of the day it was written. Foot washing is another thing. It doesn't have cultural significance to us, but then every dinner you went to, your feet were washed. That doesn't mean we shouldn't wash feet. It has meaning that Jesus infused into it, but culturally, those things don't have meaning for us. Now, please don't take the mental trip and start flipping through Scripture to decide what is culturally bound and the things that are not. We can do that. I can do that with you if you want. But for right now, let's focus on what's before us. And the point is that this teaching of Peter is not bound by a cultural time. The Spirit of God inspired Peter to write something timeless here, something supra-cultural, in that it rides over and it overshadows every culture of all time because this teaching goes all the way back to the time of creation. It's part of God's creation order. You know the story well. Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And he did. He created Eve for Adam, 
Man was created first, the woman after to help him. This is God's created order. We're not going to unpack that this morning. We will later. I only read it to demonstrate that Peter's spirit-inspired command goes all the way back to the time of creation when the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos and brought order. At that time, the garden was beautiful and in perfect harmony. Harmony between humans. Harmony between humans and creation and creation and humans. And in this perfect environment, Adam and Eve, as the crown of God's creation, were able to be who God created them to be and to do what he had created them to do. And so you and I, as those who seek to be delighted, devoted, disciples of Christ, must live by God's order and never buy into our culture's chronological snobbery. Now, I know I've quoted C.S. Lewis on this before, but I have got to quote him again. Lewis defines chronological snobbery as the uncritical, the uncritical acceptance of the intellectual climate of our own age and the assumption that whatever has gone out of date is on that count discredited. Simply put, It's the belief that everyone who existed before us and thought differently than we think got it all wrong. Lewis's response to those who say, well, you can't turn back the hands of time. You can't turn back the clock. His response is that if the clock is telling the wrong time, the clock must be turned back. The point is that if you're on the wrong road, The most progressive person is not the person that keeps going and plowing ahead in the wrong direction. The most progressive person is the one who turns around and gets back on the right road. It's clear that this command is a road that has been abandoned by our culture. And the question that we must ask is why? Why has it been abandoned? Just because it's old? Just because it's antiquated, is that reason enough? And you just can't say, well, because it's wrong. Because if you say, well, it's wrong, then you have to prove why it's wrong. Please demonstrate to me and to others how we are better off for abandoning this teaching of God, rightly obeyed, rightly obeyed. Show the error. Show the harm done when God's timeless truths are rightly follow him closely. God's order and by the power of the Spirit of God, you and I must live by God's order. Secondly, God's order brings about beauty and power. The Spirit of God inspires Peter to write these words. Because he knows that relationships must be ordered or there will be chaos. Chaos is not beautiful. 
And that's why God must order it. And we know that relationships must have order. That's why we have these proverbial sayings like, too many cooks spoil the soup, right? Competing cooks, competing taste buds, competing methods equals terrible, chaotic soup. Too many people trying to do the same thing will end in a chaotic or at least an inferior result. And so God gives order. And God gives order because God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians 14.33 For God is not a God of disorder, of confusion, but a God of peace and harmony. Order is God's way. And listen to this. Peace and harmony will always result from following the order of an ordered God. Peace and harmony will always result from following the order of an orderly God. God is ordered in his own relationship as the triune God. Jesus models relational order, which results in beauty and power in the upper room on the last night of his life, when he said this to his disciples. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So here in these brief verses is the Trinity before us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the three are in perfect relational harmony. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the, and the Son is not the Father, and the Spirit's not the Father. I need you to say that out loud. Because they are distinct, though they are one. They have different roles, different functions, different responsibilities. We confessed it earlier, this morning, in our worship, when we read from the Shorter Catechism. There are but three persons in the Godhead the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one, eternal God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory, although distinguished by their personal properties. Listen, this is relational order, which results in relational harmony, which results in the beautiful, powerful will of the sovereign God being carried out. I'm going to repeat that one more time. This is relational order, which results in relational harmony, which results in the beautiful, powerful will of God being carried out. The Father sent the Son. The Father and the Son sent the Spirit. And the Spirit went when sent. And He goes in the name of Christ. And He teaches the things of Christ and yet they're all perfectly unified and enjoy perfect peace and harmony with each other, though they have different roles. Listen, the Spirit doesn't try to be the Son, and the Son doesn't try to be the Father, and on and on it goes. Because within the relationship of the Godhead, listen to this, one is not lesser than the other. 
One is not less worthy than the other. One is not less valuable than the other. One is not less glorious than the other. The confession says it beautifully. They are equal in power and glory. Therefore, there is relational order, which results in relational harmony, which results in the beautiful and powerful will of the sovereign God being carried out. And so among the Godhead, there's no quibbling about who gets to do what, because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit know the ultimate goal toward which all human history is moving. The glory of God will cover this earth as the water covers the sea. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth in the beautiful and perfect kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus, the Son, submits to the Father, with whom he shares equal power and glory. It's why Jesus prays like this, Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus submitted to the Father, though they are the same, in substance, equal in power and glory. Jesus prays, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus submitted to the Father. Though they are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Jesus prayed, Behold, I have come to do your will. Jesus submitted to the Father. Though they are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Jesus prayed, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus prayed, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus submitted to the Father. Though they are same in substance, equal in power and glory. And so if we are to interpret this passage rightly, we must first look at God and His relational order and the perfect unity that exists in the diversity of it and the submission that's contained within it. This order is not to be dismissed. This order is to be embraced. Because beauty and power come out of God's order. And so you and I are free to explore and hope for and pray for the possibilities that exist within God's order. About what can happen when the hemispheres actually communicate. When they're not isolated. When husbands and wives do not battle for preeminence, but instead acknowledge that they have equal value and worth before the Lord. Then God brings beauty and power out of order. God ordered the chaos at the time of creation and a breathtakingly beautiful creation emerged. A creation with the power of Rushing water and gusting wind with the the clap of thunder and the flash of lightning with the sun perfectly placed and consistently suspended in the sky. Beauty and power comes from order. If you order colors, a beautiful painting emerges with power to move emotions. You order Musical notes and a beautiful symphony organizing multiple instruments emerges with power to make you jump to your feet and clap your hands in ovation. Order ingredients in a certain way 
and a beautiful meal emerges. The taste and smell of which have the power to transport us to places or to connect us with people long gone, like grandma in her kitchen. Order building materials and a beautiful wonder of the ancient world temple emerges with the power to make you fall on your knees and worship the one and only true and living God. Order equals power and beauty. Order a church and power and beauty emerge. Scripture calls Christ the bridegroom, the husband, and we, the church, are his bride. And Christ is the husband, is head of the church. And in all things he is preeminent. In all things he must be obeyed. He does not question. Jesus doesn't. Neither does he abdicate his place. Because it's God's established order. And through that order, he brings beauty and unleashes power into our lives. Because Christ now and always orders his life by the order of God, our lives, your life and my life, have the beauty of Christ and the power of Christ. Is that good news? And through his church, he brings his beauty and unleashes his power into the world. What are the possibilities for us? If we follow God's relational order that he sets forth with this command, wives, be subject to your own husbands. What could your marriage look like if you reconnected that severed corpus colossum? What gospel beauty could emerge from your God-ordered marriage into this world that is so completely disordered and bleak? What power would the Spirit of God unleash to bring about change in your home, in your children, in the lives of those that you invite to share your table. Let's not only live by, but love God's order. Let's long for the beauty and the power that God's order produces so that his kingdom might come, so that his will, will would be done, and so that his glory would cover this earth, our earth, as waters cover the sea. Let's pray. Father in heaven, give us faith to believe that you are a God who always speaks true. Give us the faith to believe, no matter what forces come against your word and your order, that living by your order is blessing for us. Living by your order is beauty for our lives. Living by your order is power for our lives. Give us the faith to believe. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.